Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Cornerstone Church, can we make some noise if we're happy to be in God's house today? Can we give it up? I am pumped to be here, even though here is just on the video screen again. I know, I know, I'm out of town once again, but I promise you, look, let me give you just a quick preview of next week. I will be back next week, okay? Not on a video screen, I will actually be back live and in the flesh next week on June 4th. And I wanna encourage you to be back next week because we have a big week coming up, big weekend here at Cornerstone. Not only are we gonna be closing out the series that we're currently in, the verse after the verse, Not only that, Pastor Brenda is gonna be bringing the word next week, which is exciting. Can't wait to hear her speak and teach on God's word to us. Not only that, it's communion next week. It's the first Sunday of the month. So look, I I know the temptation. I know it's gonna be the first weekend in June. You're gonna feel like, ooh, there's things to do, people to see, son to receive. But I'm telling you, there's no better place to be next week than right here at Cornerstone Church. So make your plans, book your calendar to be back here as we close out the verse after the verse next week. But first, today. Today, we are in part four of this series. I hope that you've been enjoying it. I hope that God has been using it to to shed light into the greater context that his word uh, contains. What we've been doing, if you've missed any of these weeks, and if you have, man, make sure you go back and check these out on our YouTube page. You can find us on there. You can uh, find these wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever. Uh, But catch up with where we've been, because what we've been doing is looking at the most popular verses in Scripture, the verses that we so often just cut and snip out of their context. And what we've been doing is looking at the verse after that verse, to see what what else is God telling us here. Yes, those verses are great on their own, but man, whenever we piece them together with the greater story that scripture is telling, we can learn some things about God and we can learn some things about ourselves that we miss out on if we don't read the verse after the verse. And so what we're gonna do today, we're gonna continue in this series. We're gonna be reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. Some of the people in the room, you might already know what this verse says because, again, it is a crazy, famous, crazy popular verse, especially this time of year. Grad parties are happening all over the place, and we love the cards with Jeremiah 29, 11 written on it, right? Um, Before we read that scripture, you can go ahead and jump there. If if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and get to there. Uh, But I want to just give you a little bit of context first before we just immediately hop in to Jeremiah 29, 11. So Jeremiah... Uh, This book, it was written by a prophet of the same name, Jeremiah, a prophet uh, uh, who who spoke for God. God would speak to him, and Jeremiah would minister to the Jewish nation. Uh, uh, This book is a sad book. (laughs) It's a sad book because Jeremiah is seeing the downfall of his people. He's seeing his people go against God, go against his will. And just like we talked about last week, he is seeing their sin produce its natural consequences. And it's leading to very dark places. And eventually, by the time we get to Jeremiah 29, we see that the dark place it's led to is the entire nation has been overthrown by a pagan empire, the Babylonians. The Babylonian empire has come in. They've just run roughshod over the nation of Israel. And now at this point, an exile has begun. Some people start being shipped off and taken off to Babylon. 
And there was a false prophet around the same time uh, of Jeremiah who was speaking and trying to encourage the people, but he was encouraging them with a lie, saying, hey, don't worry, this is just a season. Kind of sounds like talking about COVID-19. This is just a season, it'll be over before you know it. Don't worry about it. He said, this, this, this only lasts about two years, don't worry. And Jeremiah had to step in with the truth of the Lord and say, hey, this guy is feeding you a line. This is not true. This thing that you're experiencing, it's not gonna be a season. This is gonna be a lifestyle that you have to learn to live. You are gonna be in exile. Our nation is gonna be in exile for 70 years. We're gonna have to learn to live different. We're gonna have to do things different because everything about our way of life is going to change. And this is such a terrifying message. I mean, imagine if you heard this. The only place you've ever known, your, your homeland, you're being carted off to an enemy empire for the rest of your life. It's where your kids are gonna grow up. It's what, what's gonna be the, 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 the main mode of people influencing your kids and your family. It's terrifying. But in the middle of this, Jeremiah gives this prophecy from the Lord. He says this in verse 11. This is our big verse for today. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's no wonder why people love this verse because so many of us have been through difficult periods in our life, have been through struggles and hardship, and we hear this and we're like, oh man, I'm believing this for myself. I'm believing this. And here's the thing. Yes, the context of Jeremiah 29, uh, 11 is the fact that God is speaking to the nation of Israel in particular, telling them, hey, I know things look bad, but don't worry, I've got a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's a plan to give you hope in a future. So that's the specific context, but let's not kid ourselves. If, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your savior and your king, this same kind of idea does apply to you. The, the, the principle behind this idea that God says, when you trust in me, when you put your faith and hope for me, uh, in me and in my plan for you, you can, you can believe on it, you can trust on it, that it is a plan for good. It is a plan to prosper you, to, to give you a, a future and hope. You can believe that you can hold on to that. And that's what a lot of us do. We, we read Jeremiah 29, 11, and we see it as this, this great picture of hope, which is what it is. But I love how the verse after the verse kind of gives us a new idea and a new way of looking at this piece of scripture. This is what it says. After, after I know I have uh, these plans for you, they're good, give you a future and a hope. After that, God says this. In those days when you pray, I will listen. You see, whenever we read the verse after the verse here in Jeremiah 29, I think what we see is that God is not just telling us something about hope, he's also telling us something about prayer. And not in particularly the power of prayer, but the point of prayer. The point of prayer. If you've ever wondered, what's, what's the point of prayer? What's the main purpose behind this? Why do I pray? Hasn't God already figured everything out? If God already has a plan, am I changing it when I pray? Or is it pointless when I pray because he already has a plan? Like what's, what's going on here? So if that's you, if you've ever struggled with those questions or you're struggling with them today, man, today is tailor-made for you. Our sermon title, if you're a note taker for today, is The Point of Prayer. The Point of Prayer. Uh, talking about the point of prayer, it, uh, I was preparing for the sermon this week and it made me think 
uh, of this with uh, uh, my wife Jessica back whenever we were first uh, married and we got our house and it was our first house with a garage. I remember um, different times where she seemed to be annoyed if she was leaving through the garage and the garage door had been open and I closed it. Like she would open the door, see the garage door was closed and be like, okay, I'm gonna go through the front. And we'll go through the front and I'm like, well, what? Just open the garage door. Like, you can just open, you can open it. It's, it's okay. You're allowed to do that. Like, you can, bink, press the button. And so eventually, one of these times, I'm like, Jess, what are you doing? Just go ahead. Like, just go. Like, I, I know I closed the garage door. I close doors. Sue me. Like, I, I go through the door, and then I close it. Just go ahead and use the garage door, even if I've closed it. And she responds to me. She's like, yeah, but that's going to cost a quarter. A co- like, like a quarter, like a vending machine, like you gotta put a quarter in. What are, you, what are you talking about? She's like, nope, that costs a quarter. I don't know if you know that. Every time you push that button to raise or to lower the garage door opener, it's a quarter. It's a quarter worth of energy. And I'm like, I, I've literally never heard that ever before in my life. Like Jessica, this, <laughs> that's not how it works. Like that's not how it works, right? And so when I think about prayer, and I think about all the ways that we misconstrue prayer, including myself. I want you to know I'm, I'm involved in all of this. Everything that we're going to be talking about today, me too. But whenever I think about the, the point of prayer and what it's supposed to do, I kind of have a similar reaction to Jessica with the garage door. Yeah, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Tell your neighbor that's not how it works. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. You see, prayer, prayer, let's just get this out of the way. What prayer is not, okay? As we're talking about the point of prayer today, I, I want us to just go ahead and clear off the list the things that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt. These are not what prayer is. First off, prayer is not a bother. You're not bothering God. You're not interrupting him. You're not a nuisance to him whenever you pray. Prayer is not a bother. Prayer is not a bargain, you're not bargaining with God. You're not trying to uh, come to him and get him to do a certain thing your way. Prayer is not a negotiation. <laughs> it's not a sitting down at a table, a meeting of the mind saying, okay, God, I like points one through seven of your plan, but eight, nine, and 10 need to look a little bit different. What if we put this in and we just negotiate terms here? That's not prayer. <laughs> prayer is not a bother. Prayer is not a bargain. Prayer is not a negotiation. Uh, prayer isn't therapy. Can I tell you that? Like, it could be good for you. Prayer absolutely is good for you, but it's not, oh yeah, this is like my therapy. This is my, I'm like, self-care. I'm healing myself as I pray and as I meditate. Like, that's not, that's not what prayer is. That's not how it works. <laughs> it's not a bother. It's not a bargain. It's not a negotiation. It's not therapy, and it's not a demand. We don't come to prayer and we tell God, hey, this is what I want. Yeah, I get that you have this plan for me, but no, 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 no. We're scrapping all of it. I want you to rubber stamp my plan. I want you to do things my way. I want you to look at how I'm demanding we do things. None of those things are what prayer is. In fact, can, can I tell you something that prayer is? It's a lot of what prayer is, and this is, this is what prayer is. Prayer isn't about getting our way. It's about submitting to God's way. When, when we enter into prayer, it is saying, hey, you know what, God, I, I agree with you. I'm not coming in here trying to bother, bargain, negotiate, 
therapy. I'm not, I'm not trying to do anything to get you to look at me and go, yep, I'm gonna do it his way. God, I'm here to do it your way. I'm here to submit myself to you and to what you would want to do in my life because I trust the fact that you have plans for my life. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Whenever we believe in that, whenever we trust in that, we can say, God, you know what? Prayer is not about getting my way. It's about submitting to your way because God does have plans for you. You may not be Israel, but you are his child. If you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you are a member of God's family and he has a plan for you and it's a plan to prosper you and to give you future and to give you a hope. You can trust in that. You can have confidence in that fact that he, he has a good plan for you. The problem is it doesn't always feel like it, does it? Cornerstone, we're, we're a real church. We, we tell it like it is. We, we, don't, we don't sugarcoat it. We don't try to beat around the bush. The fact is God's plans that are good and for our uh, uh, hope and for a future, they don't always feel that way. You're lying to yourself if you say, no, always love it. Always enjoy the twists and turns of God's way. Like, it can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be lonely. It can be hurtful. God has plans. It just doesn't always feel like it. And so it can be hard to want to submit to those. It can be hard to not try to pray to get our way, but to submit to God's way. Because we look at things like our relationships falling apart. We look at things like, financial burdens that we're under, or us, us losing our job or a death in our family, a tragedy. We look at these things and we go, you know the plans that you have for me. Some plan. Yeah, great scheming, God. I, I wonder what your vision board for my life looks like because I'm going through it down here. Like things are hard, things are difficult. You see, the phrase God has a plan doesn't always inspire confidence, does it? In fact, sometimes, to be, some people, that could be the worst thing that they hear, <laughs> right? Don't worry, God has a plan for your life. And they're like, oh, this, uh, great, awesome. So I'm not just fighting bad luck, I'm fighting divine providence that all of these terrible dominoes in my life aren't just a series of bad luck, that's God's hand moving in your life. Like, yay, Awesome, how do I fight back against that? I guess I just take the hardship that I'm under. I guess I just go through all these issues and go through all these trials knowing that it's God's plan. Yay, like that, that's hard. That's difficult to hear. The phrase God has a plan doesn't always inspire confidence. It's like me telling my family, hey, just take the night off. I'll handle dinner. I'll cook tonight. My family's saying, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence in us. <laughs> It'd be like Jessica saying, hey, honey, I know your car is due for an oil change. Don't worry about it. I'll change your oil. Doesn't exactly inspire confidence in me. Like the, those are not confidence inspiring words. And for some of us, hearing that God has a plan doesn't inspire confidence in our hearts. It's hard to hear that. I mean, think about it. If you're one of these Jewish people who is getting ready to go into exile, you hear that God has a plan and it looks like you living your entire life not in your homeland, in a foreign land, in an enemy land, in a pagan land. What kind of plan is that? 
You have a plan for me? This doesn't seem good. This doesn't seem like it's for, my, uh, for me to prosper, my prosperity. Like this seems hard and difficult. I, I don't want this. Now here's, let me, let me just say this as I get ready to go into this next section of the sermon. Here is a hard part that we can't really fully dive into today, but you hear things like God has a plan and God's gonna prosper and he has a hope and a future for you. You hear things like that and you're like, okay, God has a plan. So my cancer, is that a part of his plan? My marriage dissolving, even though I did everything I could to save it. My, my wife cheating on me, my husband cheating on me, my, my, my house getting foreclosed because I, I, I tried to do as good as I could financially and I, I didn't gamble anything away. I just, I lost my job. And This is a part of God's plan? Is that what you're telling me, Pastor Jacob? All these things are part of the plan that God has for me? Did he orchestrate these things? And I'm telling you right now, this is very difficult territory. It's, it's enough for a whole sermon series on its own to talk about God's plans for our life. There's theological debates that have been raging for millennia about this very topic. But here's one thing that I do want us to talk about, okay? This is one thing I do want us to hit on, something that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it's not exactly what is God's plan or not, because let's, can we just be honest that none of us can, can precisely just make sure we have our thumb down on exactly what God's plan for your life is? Can we just admit that? I mean, none of us know. You don't know every twist and turn that God has orchestrated in your life. And, and you may not know, you know, does, does prayer help change it? <laughs> Like, what, what if God has uh, X, Y, and Z planned for me, but I want A, B, and C? If, if I pray, and if I pray hard enough, can my prayer change God's plan? Can I get something different? Can I, can I get a different road, a different path to take? This is, this is what I just wanna tell you, okay? This is what I wanna try to encourage you with today, especially if you're going through it, especially if you're dealing with hardships and problems and trials and fire and storms, and you're just going through it right now. This is what I wanna encourage you with whenever it feels like, man, what's... What's God's plan? What's the point of prayer if it's already gonna take place anyways? And what's the point if I can't change anything through my prayer? This is what I want you to know. If we could see God's plan, we wouldn't wanna stop God's plan. If you beyond a shadow of a doubt could see God's plan and see where he's taking you and see the road that he's orchestrated for you to take, if you could see God's plan, you wouldn't wanna stop God's plan. You wouldn't ask for him to take it away. You wouldn't pray for another way. You wouldn't pray saying, I, I need something different. I don't like this. I don't like that. I need something different. If we could see God's plan, we wouldn't wanna stop God's plan. Isn't this Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? saying, hey, God, look, I, I don't wanna go through the pain that I'm about to go through. I don't wanna experience the physical hurt and the agony of being separated. I, I, don't, I don't wanna experience this, but you know what? I see your plan and I want it. I want it more than mine. I want it more. I want it more than anything. I want it more than what I'm feeling in this moment that I'm asking if this cup could be removed from me. No, 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 no. I want your will and I want your way. If we could see God's plan, we wouldn't want to stop God's plan because if we could see God's plan, we would know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, that it's good, that it's not for disaster, that it's about a, a hope-filled future. 
You see, my, my first roller coaster I ever rode on, I, I've shared with you guys before that whenever I was younger, I was terrified of roller coasters. I, I, I skipped out of my sixth grade uh, field trip to Cedar Point because I was petrified. I didn't even turn in the permission slip at home because I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to get put on one of these things. Well, eventually I did. Eventually I got on a roller coaster and I can remember just being terrified. Just scared, scared as all get out getting on this thing. And one of the biggest reasons that I was scared is because I just never experienced it before. I had never seen it. I, I mean, I could look and see a roller coaster, but I didn't see a roller coaster. I, I'd never been on one in myself, my own POV, been able to see and experience the roller coaster for myself. So it terrified me. But you know what? The second that I got off that thing, you know what I'm saying? Let's go again. Let's do it again. Where's the bigger coaster? Where's the faster coaster? Where's the one with more loops? Because that was incredible. I want more of that. The only reason I was scared ahead of time was because I couldn't see it. I didn't experience it. I didn't know it. I couldn't see it. But the second it became real to me, the second I saw it, I'm like, you know what? I want this. I want more of this. This is a blast. You know the same is true in such a greater way about God's plans for our life? The only reason it scares you, even in your, your, your hard moments, the reason it scares you so bad is just because you can't see what's on the other side of it. The only reason it terrifies you, the only reason it instills fear in you is because you just don't know, you just haven't experienced it. You don't know what's on the other side of it, but I'm telling you, if you could just know that God is good and that he is trustworthy and that his plan will not fail, that as you follow him as your king and as your Lord, you can trust in him that his plan will not fail and you would never wanna pray that plan away. You would never ask for uh, another way of doing things. You would say, God, I want your will and your way every single time. Now, I know you might be thinking like, well, yeah, Pastor Jacob, absolutely. The, the problem is I can't know God's plan. You said it yourself. We can't get our thumb down on it. We don't know what's coming. We don't know every twist and turn of God's plan. That is absolutely right. I, I wanna let you know this. This is, this is big for all of us in the room. You are absolutely right. We can't know God's plan, but we can know God. You absolutely 100% can know God. We see him beautifully displayed, 100% accuracy. When we look at Jesus, we see God. Yeah, you may not know God's plans. You may not know all the dips and the highs and the lows and the valleys and the peaks. You may not know all of that, but you can know God, and that's better. It's better to know the author than the book. It's better to know the, the, the author than the plan. And in Jesus, that's exactly what we get. We can't know God's plan, but we can know God, I love this. Let's look at it one more time. The verse after, those, after the verse. In those days when you pray, I will listen. God says in those days when you call out, in those days when you uh, try to reach me in prayer, guess what? I'll be there. I'm listening. I'm hearing you. I'm, I'm walking with you. I'm right beside you. I'm rubbing shoulders with you. When you pray, when you talk, I listen. I take it all to heart. I hear everything. You're my beloved child, and I am listening to you. You can know me. You can dialogue with me. You can talk with me. You can listen to me. You can do all of these things. We can't know God's plan Perfectly, we, we, we can't. We just can't know every intricacy of God's plan, but we can know God. 
which gives us trust in the plan because we know whose plan it is. We know the author. You know, whenever we uh, were getting ready for our Here and Now campaign to really start taking the next steps on hiring uh, uh, like a project manager to oversee the whole thing, um, we weren't able to see, you, you don't see what they're going to do with your building until you hire them. <laughs> like, we, we don't get preliminary drawings of, oh, this is what we would do and all this different stuff. You don't get those for free. Like, oh yeah, let's just spend hours and hours, weeks and weeks drawing something up for you that you may not use. No, you have to go hire somebody, which is a scary thing because you're hiring somebody without any idea of what their vision, what their drawings, what their uh, mindset is going to be. But whenever we got to meet Monty Trask, our project manager, and uh, talk with him and talk with his team at Construction Team Management, we talked to him, we heard his heart, we heard his vision, we heard his previous experience in ministry and how he has such a heart for churches and how he has a heart to help them fulfill their mission uh, by giving them the tool of a wonderful facility to, to make that mission become a reality. We, we talked with him and we're like, whoo, you know what, we don't need to see drawings. Like, this guy's got it. <laughs> like, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows the heart of our church. He knows where we've been. We got to hear his experience, other places he had built other places that he had worked. We, we got to hear all of this. So we got to know the architect. We got to know the project manager. We got to know the team before we ever saw the plan. Because we didn't need to see the plan first. Because we trusted the project manager. We trusted Monty. We trusted construction team management that they would deliver a good plan. We paid them in advance for a plan that we wouldn't see for months because we knew who they were and we were willing to bet on it. When it comes to your future, when it comes to the plans for your life, I am telling you, you have someone you can bet on. In the work of Jesus, in the work of God in your life, you can bet on God, you can bet on the plan that he has for you that it is gonna be one that you would never, ever, ever want to pray away. That it would never, ever, ever be something that you're saying, well, hey, can, can, I, can I change things if I pray this way or if I do this? Can I ask God to take this away? No, you have someone who is drafting up the most beautiful, the most glorious, the most wonderful plan and purpose and potential in your life. You just gotta put your trust in him. You just gotta believe him whenever he says, hey, follow in my path and I will direct your ways. Follow in my path and I will lead you along the path of life everlasting. Which brings me to my last point in closing. What's the point of prayer? What's the point of prayer? We've kind of danced around it the entire sermon, and this is what I want to let you know. The point of prayer is this simple. The point of prayer is not to bend God's ear. It's not to bargain. It's not to bother. It's not to negotiate. It's not to have a therapy session. It's not to make demands. No, the point of prayer is proximity to the Father. It's the number one goal. Of course, there's other parts that are incorporated in that. We, we, we worship God when we pray. We can intercede for other people when we pray. We can, we can ask things. We can make petitions to God whenever we pray. Absolutely, we, we, we can ask for God's will to come into fruition. All of those things are good and true and yes and amen to all of those. But the main point, the main point is not to know God's plans and try to change them. It's just to know God. That's the point of prayer. Proximity, closeness to the Father. 
It's us realizing that what he says in the verse after the verse, in those days, you will pray to me and I will listen. That God's not just speaking those words to the Jewish people centuries ago. He's speaking those words to us now. I will talk to you. I will speak to you. You can pray to me and I'll listen and I'll hear you because I want to be close. I want to be in relationship with you. I want, I want to be a part of your life every single day. I want us to talk. That's what I want you to realize prayer is with me. It's, it's building proximity with me. It's building relationship with me. This isn't a, uh, the point of prayer is not for you to come in and just give me a wish list. The point of prayer is for me and you to, to, to become close. I just want to be around you. I just want to talk with you. You know, years ago, whenever me and my dad were going to a prayer conference, funnily enough, a prayer conference down in the Tennessee Pigeon Forge Sevierville area, we were going down, and this is pre, uh, like, maps being available on your phone. So unless you bought a Garmin, you're, you're printing out MapQuest uh, uh, directions to get to places, which I kind of miss in a way. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love my phone. I love being able to just type in any address and being able to get there. But I miss, I miss that because my dad was driving us down and I was his navigator, right? With the phone, you don't need a navigator. It's, it's telling you, it can talk to you. If you got a watch that's synced up to it, it's buzzing to let you know when you need to make a turn, things like that. But whenever you're printing off the plans, whenever the driver doesn't just know the plans because they have access to this thing that's giving them the plans 24-7 with extreme detail, whenever you don't have the plans, you're relying on something else. You're, you're relying on the navigator to get you there. And for me as the navigator, that meant, man, I need to stay awake the whole trip down because I wanna make sure we don't miss an exit because of me. So we're, we're both there, we're both awake and we're talking the whole way down. Having conversations, I'll remember the rest of my life with my dad on this eight hour trip. And if we would have just known the plan from the second that we left, if he would have just known every left and right turn that he needed to make, he probably would have told me, hey, bud, feel like you can just go to sleep if you want to. You can take a nap. Don't worry, I, I can make it the way down there. But when he didn't know the whole plan, he had to rely on me. <laughs> and our relationship grew. We had conversations. We talked. We got closer in a way that was just incredible that I still love and think about to this day. That's what God wants with you. God says, I don't want to show you steps one through 10, and I don't want you to worry about trying to change the steps or anything. Man, can we just, can we just be together? Can we just talk? Can you just get close to me? The point of prayer is proximity to the Father. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.